0: Welcome to the ISTC monthly podcast where you can keep up to date with what's going on at the ISTC and in technical communications in the UK and globally. The ISTC is the Institute for Scientific and Technical Communicators and our members work to make scientific and technical information more accessible. I'm Amanda Marr, I'm a member of the ISTC and a freelance technical author and along with Craig Craigmile we are your hosts for this week. Each month, the podcast team plan to bring you interviews with people working in scientific and technical communication across a diverse range of industries, as well as all the latest news and events from our profession. This month, Imogen and I are chatting with Brian Dagnall, owner and technical documentation consultant at Dunelm Document Solutions Limited, fellow of the ISTC and our ISTC mentor. Brian has Techcom's experience ranging from rail networks to the European Space Agency. And we've been really looking forward to this one. Welcome to the ISTC
1: podcast, Brian.
2: Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you.
1: Can you tell us a bit about how you found yourself in the world of technical communications?
2: Certainly. Uh, As a soldier, I was responsible for the operation and maintenance of UHF and SHF radio equipment using the old electrical and mechanical engineering. Uh, regulations, which were EMAs, these were military O&M manuals, sometimes peering into the, uh, the innards of a radio set on a workbench and trying to read from one of these manuals. I think, who the hell wrote this? And so I was curious as to how these things came about, but thankfully I shortly thereafter met an RAF, technical author from Swan to Morley, and he explained how these documents came into being. So I got interested. I left HM Forces and went to the Middle East for about three years, came back, went around the world, got a a short-term temporary job, and then I spotted an advert for uh, the Manpower Services Commission, who were hosting a 13-week technical authorship training course in Derby. Um, So candidates were required to um, write a piece on the value of technical publications. I cobbled together some stuff from my RAF friend, sent it in, was accepted. Uh, for interview, was interviewed, was accepted on the course, and it's only when I got back home after the interview that I realised that the, the stuff I plagiarised was actually um, the training organisation's own material, so <laughs> they obviously were, regret- because I agreed with them. Towards the end of the course, interviews were arranged with potential employers, but none of them, the, the prospected jobs were in the northeast, which is where I live, and uh, I didn't fancy any of the locations. One of the guys came back with a real horror story. He, he walked into a, a hangar-type building where there were um, rows and rows of desks with authors behind all the desks. And at the beginning and end of each day, baskets of work were passed down these rows of desks. None of us thought that was a reasonable proposition to uh, enter into a working uh, life at all. Definitely not an attractive prospect.
0: No. So what has your experience been like as a contractor? And what is it about the lifestyle that appeals
2: to you? Having been made redundant twice, I found that freelancing has provided a constantly changing working environment as well as work colleagues and has broadened my experience and my knowledge. I enjoy the challenge inherent in taking on a project in another industry every once in a while. Freelancing has meant that I deliver what the client requires and I don't have to get involved in any way in in performance reviews, pay reviews. And I'm quite content with that.
0: Yep. Yeah,
2: good. Also, once I've delivered a package of work, I move on to another client, another industry, another location, and another set of solutions to deliver. It's constantly changing. I love it.
0: Yeah, it's that learning. It's always, that always learning new things.
1: Yeah,
0: I like um, that about it as well. Yeah.
1: So in your, in your response to your first answer, you mentioned that you did a bit of a training course, but what other training did you undergo to advance your skills as a technical communicator?
2: I've undertaken employer paid for courses, notably in copywriting uh, and in Ventura Desktop Publishing. The Ventura Desktop Publishing enabled me to, to quickly grasp the fundamentals of uh, Interleaf, which later became, became Quicksilver. As a freelancer, I've undertaken training courses for which my business paid. Uh, I did an enhanced MS Word course because of new features um, and because I hadn't used Word for quite a while at that stage. But there were two courses where, which were quite expensive, though thankfully accommodation, travel and subsistence didn't, uh, didn't have to be paid for out of them. Um, it would have been astronomical if that was the case. After these two latter courses, I then applied for roles which clearly required my newly trained skills. I couldn't secure a placement because I had no real-world experience, only a training course. Since that time, I've tended to go for taster-type courses to broaden my knowledge. But these have never actually been sufficiently educational for me to secure a job. For instance, I did a RoboHelp taster many years ago. I've done a Ditto taster. Uh, I I had a Flare taster set up, but unfortunately I had to move jobs uh, before that lifted. Uh, And then also I I grabbed hold of the Dummies series of books and also, I view what's available on YouTube as much as possible. But again, no real-world experience in anything, and so therefore, I can't secure a role. But I've got some more background.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think people want you to come in with experience uh, as a freelancer. People want you to come in with the experience, so you can hit the ground running, as it were, and immediately start. Running, on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. Um, yeah. Um, when it comes to trying to keep up to date with new software when you're doing it in your daily job
2: yes yeah notwithstanding training is good training is enlightening training can certainly be beneficial and training can show rewards but pertinent profession-based training should be should not be burdensome for the freelancer the expense of training needs to show a financial return on investment yeah
0: Uh, From that, then, um, would you say that you have a a specialism or a a favorite area of tech comms that you um, particularly like to work in? Creating training documents or looking for better ways to organize content? Or is it the very nature of the work within tech comms?
2: I I don't have any specialisms. I, I, I tackle whatever's on offer and deliver the solutions the client requires. I classify myself as a generalist technical author. I don't claim to be an engineer, and I don't read drawings to develop instructions. Instead, I talk with those who know, observe observe those who do, extract from available material, take photos and source them, and seek the support and skill of illustrators, graphic artists, and whoever else I could convince to help me explain complexities. I've certainly enjoyed most of my project work, and I do recognize that I have indeed been fortunate and often very privileged in where I've happened up on projects and in the people I've worked with. But there are some gruesome tales out there. I won't tell you them all.
0: <laughs> Do you find that you, um, have you found that you've worked in lots of different areas, uh, from just producing some text to all the way through to managing projects? Have you worked at managing people?
2: I was a project manager on a few projects, um, so managing people. The largest number was was out in Dubai. I had about 13 staff out there.
1: I know that you've worked a lot with rail, so I was wondering if that was where your passion lied, um, you know, tech comms in the rail industry, or is it like you say, you're just a generalist technical author and you just like all the subjects that come at you?
2: Yes, I have worked a lot in rail, um, and so it's prolifically featured in my CV, and that'll be why I get called in for rail jobs. Um, but I can't say it's a passion, and yes, I do thoroughly enjoy working in the in the profession of tech pubs across any and all industries thus far.
0: Oh. All the projects that you've ever worked on which is your favorite
2: and why um i've got to give you three i'm afraid i know i'm uh, taking up your time um, <laughs> after the Eston's course i took a further telecoms project in the in the middle east uh returning to the northeast and securing PMYE employment 200 miles away from where i live but then i spotted a tech pubs requirement for a, a technical author on a project at uh, washington which is just at the road from me it's just at the a1m uh and it must have been the in Weir metro <clears throat> so i applied attended for interview and soon realized that they were actually just wanting a bum on a seat uh, for a very very urgent requirement and that the job would be 12 months in washington dc working for the washington metropolitan area transit authority warmata however i fitted the bill so i took my new family across the pond i was there with a project manager and i took over from him later on because he felt that he needed to get back to the UK where most of his projects actually were. The the project came about because of a, of a fatal accident on WAMATA. Um, the federal investigators had determined that because WAMATA didn't have very much in the way of formal training, that they could blame the accident on the lack of formal training. And so WAMATA had to come up with uh, some training packages and we got the job. Uh-huh. That was my first involvement with RAIL. There have been many many more uh, but i still can't tell you how a train works other than the driver having some input to it (laughs) (laughs) that that one has to be among my favorites Um, as i say i've done several rail projects uh, but uh, that one was it was my first i was um, thrown at that one Uh, at the european space agency in holland Uh, In addition to managing print contracts and demonstrating the document storage capacity of the CD-ROM, I also witnessed and wrote up a series of evaluations of European technologies for implementation under Columbus Space Station Project's European module. The evaluations were published in a London Telephone Directory-sized phone book. The evaluations and experiments that stand out for me on that were the document storage on CD-ROM. It's interesting to note that on a previous European mission, I think it was Space Lab O2, sorry, D2. Two and a half tons of paper were taken up in the payload. So if you can get rid of that, you've got a lot more room for experiment. The voice control of a miniature radio, a miniature video camera. That was an interesting one, although that camera was not as small as the ones you can see now. Machine-based audio output for instructions and prompts. My favorite voice was whispering Wendy. <laughs> uh, ending flat screens. For an insertion in an EVA helmet, an extra vehicle vehicle activity helmet. This would take away the need when performing external tasks to carry a manual outside with the astronaut, or um, uh, the person a person inside the uh, the module, relaying instructions over a voice link. The guy just simply looks up in his helmet and gets the instruction. He reads the instructions off the flat screen.
0: Sorry, I'm going
2: to interrupt you. When was that, though? Late 80s. Excellent.
0: So they've they they they've had bendy flat screens for, you know, bend, bendy flat screens?
2: Flat screens that bend? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, I presume they achieved it. I, I wasn't there. But that was something that they were wanting to evaluate. But I'd left by the time they got around to that. But that was one of the experiments that they wanted to evaluate. You know, will it work? Can it work? Should it work? Um, we have two-way communication devices the conventional headset where cabling obviously becomes entangled as you're floating around in the zero g environment wireless throat mics strapped to the neck and wireless ear inserts which is talking through your ear Um, directing the call over the internal and external comms networks via bulkhead mounted keypads how many do you need where do you locate the keypads for convenience as you float through the space station modules there may have been the concept of setting up a link such that mics and speakers within various bulkheads throughout the space station facilitated discrete conversations. But I might have seen that on Star Wars.
0: <laughs> it all sounds very Star Wars. Then as, very impressive.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, it, was ter- it was terrific seeing what the technology was. Handover Documentation Manager at the Dubai Mall Project, I coordinated the staff which catalogued and stored all of the handover documentation related to the construction activities. I drafted over 100 O&M manuals in the defined template with guidance notes relating to the expected content. In many cases this involved actually generating a first draft. I sought interpretations of contract terminology, attended weekly project meetings where the client's representatives laid into all subcontractors who weren't performing satisfactorily. He never had cause to speak to me. Establishing the library system for the client, developing a process for archiving everything at the end of the project, and uh, trained a couple of staff to archive documentation across projects. So that's three favorite projects.
1: Wow, they sound amazing.
2: Mm. Yep, you've got to get out there and get dirty, and it's better (laughs) if you get paid a lot to do it.
0: Yeah. But it is it is that thing of um, moving around as well, isn't it? Is um, you you yes. find other jobs and and you get experience in other things as you as you as you move around. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, well, with all that in mind, you've done a lot of different areas. Is there an area that you haven't worked in yet that you would like to?
2: I, essentially, I'll happily go wherever a prospective client requires me. I'll give anything and everything a go. There are some areas I can't do. I'm not a software jockey. Um, I've worked on new, numerous projects where I had little or no previous knowledge of the subject matter and so I was learning all the time. Um, not being an engineer in any discipline, I've, I've tended to pick up sufficient knowledge on each project to generate the necessary documentation in accordance with client requirements so that it can be understood.
0: As a member of ISTC, um, what is what is the benefit to being to trying to become a fellow or for putting yourself forward for being a fellow? Would you be interesting to see what you think is the benefit?
2: When I was in when I was in Holland, my boss was Ray Burgess, who was then president of the ISTC, and he'd seen that all I was doing in uh, the space agency and and what I was doing on behalf of our employer and our and our clients, other clients out there, I Ray recommended that I apply for fellowship, and it gives me a special pride to be a fellow at the institute. I wanted to become a fellow, or I was interested in becoming a fellow when Ray mentioned it because it was a next level. It's a bit of a promotion uh, and, and I'm getting to where I feel I should be in the in the Institute and in the profession. I was doing a, a project uh, with a team, about four or five of us, the project manager and, and a couple of other odds and sods and I was never sure what they were there for. But uh, I would had a, a discussion uh, over processing some of the documentation with the project manager. And I went off and, and sat down at my desk and I overheard him talking with someone else. And he said to the other person, but he's in the ISTC, so you so must be right.
1: Oh. <laughs> so it gives you a bit of kudos.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Can you tell us a bit about your experiences as an ISTC mentor?
2: Um, I volunteered for the mentoring scheme in its early days. And I thoroughly enjoy chatting with new members, sometimes being able to actually meet them keeping them amused, offering guidance where I could, pointing them at other experts and encouraging them to try out the very many paths in tech because I know that those who can will find their way. And I often go back to a couple of former mentees for advice after all you two are experts now. <laughs> I have an anecdote and I hope our uh, mentoring boss is, is listening. Around 2015, 16, I was assigned to look after two new members who happened to live not far from each other. And behold i was then quite coincidentally secured on a contract bang in between them i encouraged them to meet with me at the local istc area group and they are still both attending in 2018 i was tasked with mentoring a new member in west lancashire and very soon picked up a short duration role uh, by the um, close by unfortunately we didn't get in meet meetup the purpose of the anecdote is to ask if the istc mentoring scheme to find me a new member in Grand Cayman because I really fancy a couple of years on a beach.
0: <laughs> Excellent! All right so is that one of the benefits of being a mentor? So once we're a mentor if we find a mentee on the British Virgin Islands then we're sorted. Mm. Well as as a mentee I would just like to thank you for all the time and the effort and the phone calls And the examples that you emailed uh, of work when I was unsure and the encouragement that I that you gave me along the way when I when I first started um, as a
1: technical author. It has been absolutely invaluable. So I came into this as like my first real job after university, uh, so I was quite unsure. So when my boss suggested getting a mentor, I thought that was the best idea. And then I was really lucky to have you, someone who was yeah, very proactive. I could have had someone who, you know, wasn't interested or didn't put the time in, but you always did. And I think it definitely helped further my career and my confidence. So, yeah, thank you.
2: Pleasure. Pleasure to both. Thank you.
1: So you've
0: been a member of the ISTC for a while. What are your thoughts on it and where it has been and where it's going?
2: I joined a long, long time ago, mid-80s. There weren't very, very many of us. We weren't quite Robin Hood's merry band at that time, but there, there weren't many of us. Um, but I do like the sense of belonging that there is within a group of like-minded professionals. And I've taken the opportunity to give back to the organisation, the, the Grants to Me Fellowship, by joining in with the mentoring scheme. ISTC membership has been required in only a few of my projects, but I do recall, as I indicated to you, that discussion where the the guy was talking to someone else and said that he's a fellow of the Institute of Scientific and Technical Communicators. He must be right. Um, Where it's going, hopefully it will continue to grow, but I believe growth has been a problem.
0: Do you think that because we're producing less manuals, paper manuals, and it's all considered now to be content, and that change in the – so you now you have content producers and content writers yeah. um, rather than technical writers, and it's just a bit of a – it's a bit of almost like a job description issue where there's actually a, yeah, lot, yeah. a lot of content out there, which is technical and scientific – complex uh, information but they don't necessarily think that they are in that group
2: to me it's got very very complex because i I was brought up in heavy engineering and that's where i stay uh, because um, software means nothing to me
0: our terminology is different and but i think we're all pointing at the same thing
2: yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think that's probably what I'm um, I'm seeing. I'm just seeing a lot of new terms for things that I've known for years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. ISTC are using new platforms to get information out to people, like the podcast and the the webinars, the monthly webinars. Have you hmm. done any of those? Or what do you think of those?
2: I've attended uh, ISTC webinars as well as other webinars from other other businesses, particularly rail. Yeah i would indicated i'd, I'd um experienced tasters if some of the uh the training organizations can be encouraged to hold taster sessions maybe on fringe events then those of us that think we might know something about it or think we might like to know something about a new tool a new methodology a new software could go and take a look and decide whether we can because there's a great deal I know I can't do um and then, if appropriate, we'll take the training.
0: Yeah. But, mm. So having but
2: kind we of... We don't know. us
0: Having taster sessions for beginners.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because often uh, a, lot yeah. Of the, a lot of the talks um, are for people who are already really embedded in a particular product and they know it yeah. and they're telling them what the link yeah. version does or more information from a, a, a deeper level. Um, whereas if you've never used the product before and you've never had to you've never had any clients who've used it then you almost you you need to they need to explain it to you and how
1: you could maybe use it for clients and suggest it to clients have you always read the communicator for as long as you've been a member
2: um the communicator uh in some form or other i think it was just known as the istc magazine originally the articles are largely interesting but where they get into software, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it loses me. And the um pages and pages on on Flare, no interest whatsoever. I'm sure they have, have, have immense benefit to people who use Flare, but I don't use Flare. I like the, the feel of a piece of paper in my hand. I like it to drop on my mat. Um, I sometimes read it on the bus. I sometimes read it when I have a coffee or a bun down in town. And it's, it's a physical thing that I can think, oh I'm sure I saw something on that and I can quickly flick through to find what it was I was looking for. Whereas if it's online, I'm wading through mountains of files to try and remember which one it was at. And that's just the file list. If I'm looking at a magazine, frontage, I can determine whether oh that's it must be in here. I remember that front. Ah yeah. So yeah, dinosaur than I am. Yeah.
1: No, I agree. I like reading it, like on the train, like physically having it. It's nice, and and too many screens isn't good for your eyes eyesight or anything, is it? And especially no, working no. from home, we're just surrounded by screens now. So taking yeah. a break to read the magazines actually, I think, good for your mental health.
0: Yeah, it's that moving yeah. away from a screen, isn't it? <laughs> Have you had ever had to kind of deal with translating technical content into any other languages or managing that process?
2: Yes, yes. Uh, it was for telephone uh, user handbooks um, into several European languages. And um, uh, so I had to master the uh, ac- <coughs> excuse me, the accents, the cedillas, the umlauts. I also confirmed they were in the right place, but not knowing anything about the languages. So I had to trust the translators to um, uh, to do it. I thoroughly enjoyed Kat Rushton's presentation. As I say, my project went very well. Uh, it was successful but I think I could have done with Kat Ruskin's advice back then I may not have taken the job on if I got her advice.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today Brian that was really fascinating uh, and if you have any questions for Brian you can find him on LinkedIn just search for Brian Dagnall.
2: Thank you very much it's a pleasure seeing both of you uh, together uh, and uh, I will be watching more of these podcasts as you uh, progress.
1: And now for some news The ISTC website will see some changes in the coming months. In November, all information about the TCUK conference will be added under a new events section and the old site will redirect you to its new home. Then, during December, members signing in will see improvements, making it easier to access and take advantage of the wide range of benefits to ISTC membership. Talking of membership... The Junior Membership grade is being renamed to Entry Level to reflect people coming into our profession as a second career. And after a survey earlier this year, the ISTC is changing how print and digital copies of its journal, Communicator, are delivered to members in 2022. You can check the latest news section of the ISTC website for full details. This is just the start of some exciting changes to make your ISTC work better for you. If you have any questions or feedback, we want to hear from you. Email istc at istc.org.uk. The next TCUK online webinar is presented by Chris Hester. Based in the US, Chris is the founder of Red Desk Studio that specializes in content strategy, taxonomy and knowledge management solutions. The presentation is titled Content Debt, Understanding the Basics and covers the concept of content debt and environmentally conscious content a hot topic given the recent COP26 conference. She includes tips for starting a content debt management plan of your own. It's on Monday, the 6th of December in the usual lunchtime slot of 1 to 2 p.m. To join the webinar, email istc at istc.org.uk and request the link. Join us next month on New Year's Eve when both Amanda and myself will be in holiday mood, reviewing the interviews of the past year and having some tech comms fun. If you have a question about the podcast, email the podcast team at istc at istc.org.uk. A new episode of this podcast is released on the last Friday of every month. I want to thank Brian Dagnall for being our interviewee today and thank Amanda for being my co-presenter and thank everyone for listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe and share. You can find out more about the Institute for Scientific and Technical Communicators at istc.org.uk or just search ISTC on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to tune in next month. Goodbye.